and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends for March 30th, 2022. I'm Tim McGallop. That right there is dancing Jesse Rubinoff. My good friend, a man, do I think that my good friend and I have a show for you. Mm-hmm. Leafs and Bruins fans still bickering about last night's game and Taylor Hall's sucker punch and Ilya Labushkin's hit from behind. Daryl Sutter is still... Daryl Sutter after a home loss to the Avs. We'll tell you what the hell that means. The Raptors home to Minnesota tonight with ramifications throughout the playoff races, which are tighter than a unitard on Sid Sixero on this, his 45th birthday. Happy birthday, Sid. Happy birthday, Sid. The entirety of the NBA right now has more storylines than Will Smith and Jada Pickett. And let me tell you something, I'm way more into the NBA MVP race, the seeding in both conferences, and what the hell the Lakers are going to do than if Jada and Will should be able to take a joke. A bald joke at that. Hey, before you write in, I know it's different. I understand it's different. And yes! I believe in protecting our queens, but a lot of worse things have happened in this world. And man, all the attention, let me tell All right. I'm not going to go on. My life will go on despite the drama. Yours will too. Mm. And we'll get to all that good stuff that I mentioned before. And first things first, also coming up, my friends, Elliot Friedman, Kenny Reed, and Cabral Richards, ahead of what we are calling Wager Week here on the network. Hope you can stick around for that. In fact, I hope you can stick around for the whole damn thing. Tim and Friends has you until 7 p.m. Eastern time on Sportsnet 360. 6.30 on Sportsnet as Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey takes over with a near must win for the Jets in Buffalo and some terrible timing for Winnipeg. You see this today, Jesse? Kyle Connor and his 41 goals along with Nate Schmidt have landed in COVID protocols as the Jets have to go back-to-back in Buffalo and Toronto. Tough break for Winnipeg. And speaking of Toronto, the Leafs with a couple of storylines themselves after last night's game in Boston. And that's exactly where we start. First things first with Jesse. So what's the dealy, Cam Neely? Nice. Very good. Uh, yeah. Bruins, Cam Neely, so you did there. You see what did there? They, don't, they don't always link, no. but today you decided sometimes, to do it, so. Sometimes they link player to teams. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the phrase that pays that I need to get to, and then I find the player that rhymes with the phrase that pays. You know what I'm saying? Perfect, yeah. No, it's perfect. Tell me what's on the menu, and then I'll find something that rhymes with menu, menu but off yeah. the top of my head. I can't freestyle like that. There's not many menu rhymes. At what point of the day are you coming up with the rhyme? Like, er, like really early? Daniel Negreanu? What's on the menu, Daniel Negreanu? Ooh. Not bad. That could be used tomorrow. Not bad. Might have to let it marinate for a bit. <laughs> With the French accent, it sounds a lot better. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to uh, the Cam Neely oh Bruins. Oh, my God, there is so much to get to. There is. There is. The Leafs uh, got a big win last night. Are you beating sure about the Bruins that? 6-4 in Boston. But they lost Peter Mrazek, Justin Hall, and Ilya Labushkin to injury. Sportsnet's Luke Fox wrote that the win was both convincing and concerning. So are you more convinced 
or concerned, Timmy? I'm actually confused. I understand the convinced or concerned, but I'm confused. That's how I felt. Like, I, I understand his concern was maybe for the injuries, and he was convinced by the victory, but my concern was that it was obvious the Boston Bruins were trying to send a message to the Toronto Maple Leafs by beating them up and targeting some of their best players, including John Tavares, and that there was little to no pushback in that game, save for the six goals that the Toronto Maple Leafs peppered on the Boston Bruins. Those goals came at a price, and that's the way Boston plays. But that whole, like, oh, we'll make them pay on the power play. Yeah, BS. It was 1-1 power play goals, and both teams got three power plays. Like, there, there was no saw-off here because you guys scored six goals. You scored six goals because you're really good offensively. It's not because you made them pay for being tough guys. They just beat you up. But do you think that's that concerning to the Leafs if they're going to get dominated physically if they're still scoring six goals in the game? Yeah, because last time I checked, over a seven-game series, when you lose three guys, and I'm not saying they lost three guys because it was physical, Mm -hmm. but they lost one guy because it was physical. And you know what Taylor Hall got for that? A two-minute roughing penalty for a sucker punch that knocked one of the guys out. Let's talk about that. No, but, like, just stop for a quick second. You know and I know the Leafs aren't tough enough. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they didn't dress Wayne Simmons in that game. And I know that there's a bunch of analytics geeks out there. Not, I'm not going to say analytics geeks. (laughs) Here's the problem with the analytics side of this. Is there is no way to quantify with analytics what that does. There's no way to quantify what... Brad Marchand constantly cross-checking one of your best players with absolutely no retribution does to a team. And what I'm here to tell you is what we have seen in the last little while is that pays dividends in a seven-game series that you can't quantify. And that would be more concerning to me if I were a Leaf fan than I'm convinced that you can run Boston out the building. And I said before the game that I thought Toronto wanted Boston and that I wasn't convinced that Jeremy Swayman or Linus Allmark was as good as they're showing when it matters most. And Swayman got chased. Mm -hmm. Take the physicality and your point about it wearing on the Leafs over the course of a seven-game series. Is that maybe what we saw in the third period yesterday? Because it was 6-1. Well, that's four defensemen. You only have four defensemen out Mm -hmm. there. Like, I, I get why the Bruins came back, but... Admit it, if you're a Leaf fan, you are pooping your pants. Like, if you are a Leaf fan out there and you see a 5-1 lead evaporate into a 6-4 game, you're pooping your pants. Until they beat the Bruins in the playoffs, that's going to be a thing. Always a thing. Until they get through a first round, at least. Uh, Do you want to talk about Taylor Hall and the 5K? Do you think he should have gotten more? There's there's two things I'd like to talk about. The Marshawn cross-checking John Tavares. And the Taylor Hall 5K fine for a sucker punch. Wherever you want to start, I will walk with you. Because I thought, listen, let's start, let's start with the Marchand, okay? Because mm-hmm. it really bugged me that he can get away with that again. And then the referee gives him a penalty because he doesn't like what Marchand said. Yeah. Like, that's, where, where are we? Like, that's ridiculous, is it not? 
Like, we're, you think that he disrespected you, so you give him a 10-minute misconduct, but all the cross-checks go unpunished? I don't even know if they're, penalty, if they're penalties, but I'm pretty sure cross-checking is still in the rule book. I, mean, I thought they were trying to crack down on cross-checking. I know it's more of like in the course of the play, in the corner, you're, you're trying to get rid of that. But, it, I mean, if you're doing it at a whistle, what's the difference? Like, what really is the difference? If you're cross-checking the guy like that and it's so plain in view, like, that should be a penalty. I keep obviously. comparing the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Vancouver Canucks that made the run to the Stanley Cup final and lost to a very similar Boston Bruins team. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think that there are folks in Vancouver, right in if you feel this way, that are seeing a little sports PTSD in watching the Leafs play against the Bruins. Because it's the same kind of stuff. Like, the Canucks were a goal better than the Bruins in that Stanley Cup final Mm -hmm. and lost. Right? Because they wanted to turn the cheek. And listen, NHL keeps saying they don't want this. And then the playoffs come around. And guess what? It's all that. And I don't know if the Leafs can win those series. It just goes back to the uh, philosophy of, of Kyle Dubas. Like, this is the way he thinks his team is going to be able to progress through the playoffs. He thinks they, it doesn't matter if you're not tough enough. He thinks you'll be able to outscore them in the first round of the playoffs. And you're banking on 6-4 wins over the course of a seven-game series to get you through. I, I would think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is a conversation. This is not me making a statement. Yeah. If, if you and I gave the true serum to Kyle Dubas... He would have thought when he gambled on this style of hockey and it fell into his lap, frankly, with where they were drafting, that the NHL would call the playoffs a little bit tighter than they did when he first came into the league. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, and they haven't. No. It hasn't changed at all in the postseason. In the regular season, it's changed. In the postseason, it hasn't changed. Yeah. And I think you see that in Edmonton and you see it in Toronto. Um, so Labushkin leaves the game, one of many defensemen to leave the game for the Maple Leafs. So uh, attrition last night for sure. Taylor Hall gets the 5K, and obviously many Leaf fans upset. Other fans of, around the league basically saying that it wasn't much of a sucker punch, so why would it be a game suspension or two-game suspension? What did you think about the 5K? I thought the reaction from some Leaf fans was kind of silly. Like, this is not Todd Bertuzzi. You're idiots if you think this is Todd Bertuzzi. Like, what I saw was a punch to the face. Like, Todd Bertuzzi jumped on his back, drove his head into the ground. It was premeditated and never let go. It's not even in the same stratosphere. It's not. What does bug me in full context, not one frozen frame that we saw on Twitter repeatedly, but in full context, what I saw was, I also know if Labushkin went down and was hurt seriously, you know Taylor Hall would have been suspended. And that bugs me. But he he did leave the game. He was hurt. But I'm saying if this was like he got knocked out. Like stretchered off the ice or something really bad. Yeah, if he got knocked out, you know we'd be talking about a multi-game suspension today. And that bugs me. Like, what also people aren't talking about near enough who think this should have been a multi-game suspension was the hit from behind. Mm -hmm. Like, here's what I think should have happened. Labushkin should have got two for boarding or hitting, whatever you want to give him for the hit. And I really think Taylor Hall should have got five and maybe the game. For the punch. And if you look in the rule book, it's there, man. It is there. A match penalty rule 4615. 
a match penalty shall be assessed to a player who punches an unsuspecting or unwilling opponent, i.e. sucker punch, and causes injury. That's the rule book. Yeah. And the only, like, the only part of this that I could say maybe George Peros pointed to this, because do you think it should have been a suspension? I think he should have got a game because I don't think you need plays like that in, in hockey. Like what, right. You can't have a guy turn to right. you. In, in, in any facet of life, you don't fight that way. You don't hit someone from behind when they're not looking. Like that should have been a game suspension because of that, not because of the veracity of the, of the punch or anything like that. It wasn't as hard, I think, as many people were saying. But you see like that all the time. I, I honestly believe... I believe that Taylor Hall, when he realized what he was going in to do, sort of eased up a little bit and took a little bit off the punch. It's neither here nor there, but I, I think he should have got a game for it. The, the part that I thought maybe George Peros pointed to was unsuspecting. Like, in a game like that, with a hit like that, you should not be unsuspecting of any sort of retaliation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so maybe Peros looked at that and said... Well, why, why would you turn away after you just hit a guy from behind on a borderline hit in a game as rough as that? Mm-hmm. And that's the one part of this that I don't, I don't know that people are taking into account enough, is that he shouldn't have been unsuspecting. But he was, and he was also unwilling. And that, in the rule book, says match penalty, which is five game and a game suspension. Yeah. Like, five, you're out, and a game suspension. And instead, the NHL... This is two for roughing. Uh, consistency is something that the NHL Department of Player Safety uh, has been criticized for at many times this season. Uh, moving on from the Leafs, the Calgary Flames and Colorado Avalanche played last night, and the Avs, without Nathan McKinnon, beat the Flames 2-1 last night in a matchup of Western Division leaders. Colorado becomes the first team in the NHL to reach 100 points this season. Just a couple weeks ago, Daryl Sutter said playing the Avs in the first round would be a, quote, waste of eight days, should he be happy that Calgary at least kept it close to me? Come on. <laughs> you know the answer That's to that. That's facetiousness. I, I know the answer to that. And you know the answer to that. Like, Daryl Sutter was not happy in any way, shape, or form after the game. And we present to you another installment of Deep Thoughts with Daryl Sutter. If you just break it all out, uh, five and five for the year. We've actually scored more goals than them, but if you look in the in the odd man stuff, uh, even tonight, it's two power plays, goals for them, right? So it's a difference in the game. Penalty kill's been very, very good all season up until just a little sloppy. bit. Sloppy. Two games are very sloppy. Individual mistakes. The first one tonight, Bucks should go down the ice. Forwards have two cracks at it, and the second one's just a straight read by defense. Just straight read. Those are. Those are mental mistakes. That's what they are. It's very simple. Does that just happen with a penalty? Like, does a penalty kill? No excuse for it. For, there's no excuse for it. The first one, puck should go down the ice. Four has got a stick, shoot, damn puck down the ice. Second one's just a straight read by our defense. It's very simple. We're not that, we don't have, we're not at their caliber, right? So you got to, and first, and the second one too, it's 1-1 one, one going into third, and we take, take a penalty 200 feet from our goalie. Difference in the teams, right? <laughs> I mean, oh, but, oh no, no, come that's, on, man. that's not all. That was yesterday. How about today? More deep thoughts with Daryl Sutter.
Daryl, everyone in this city outside these walls wants to talk about playoffs, and you keep saying, if we make the playoffs. Well, it's 100% because, for example, you're playing the team last night. They're used to being second, third-round teams, right? So they're schooled in it. This team is not. The team is not. There might be players that are, but this team is not. So then how do you want the players to, like, can they get excited about the possibility of playoffs? They excited about tomorrow night. That's they should get excited about doing their job. Like play your role, do your job. You do that, you have a chance to win. Just like last night, play your role, do your job. You have a chance to win. You're gonna be an underdog. Doesn't matter. That's a fact. You haven't been a play. You haven't had. You have, as an organization, you've had zero success for a long time. You want to play Colorado? You better make sure you make the playoffs because if you don't have that in your mindset that you're gonna make the playoffs, then you're gonna have to play Colorado as a wild card. And you get kicked out of you. That's not even, I'm not interested in that. You want to finish as high as you can. So amazing. I actually love it. The look. I love it because he's not letting his team get comfortable. No, that's That's all it is. He's letting his crew know what they need to do to be successful. And I really think that that kind of accountability is rare these days. And I could argue that the team we were just talking about, the Toronto Maple Leafs, haven't heard enough of that kind of stuff over the last little while. The only question I have for you is, do you think the players in the Flames feel the same way as we do? I think they, (laughs) that's a tough question because when you hear it repeatedly, like we have over the last couple of months, you might start to tune it out. But I I do believe that if you look at your coach's track record of success, it's worth believing in him. Like he has proven that his message works. He's won multiple cups. I know. And it's not like they didn't have a good game last night. They played really well. They just allowed two power play goals and that ended up being the difference. So I think they believe in him. Might, might tune it up from time to time. There, there's a lot that I want to get to, but we're not done talking about hockey. Yeah. And we're going to go circle back on the Leafs. We're going to circle back on the Bruins. We're going to circle back on all of this stuff. Kenny Reed, Elliot Friedman, a little later on in the show. And I don't like doing this, mm. but I'm going to do it. Uh, Captain wrote in and said, oh, now the rat is a problem. He was your darling in 2011, but touch your darling Leafs, dot, dot, dot talking about Brad Marchand. Like, when I suggested that the Canucks were a goal better, when I had talked in the past, and I know that not everyone watches the show all the time, Mm -hmm. and I can't assume that, but what would make you think that it's the Darling Leafs that is shit? My opinion in 2011, it's on tape. There are receipts. Was that Vancouver was better, and what the Boston Bruins were getting away with was too much and ridiculous. And I haven't changed that at any time. And I hate that people can just write in something like that and think that they're right. Because I've been saying the same bleep since 2011. For 11 years, I've been saying the same thing. And someone can think they can discount that with one tweet? I want to give them the old Sid Sixero on their birthday thing. I knew that thing. was coming. I knew that the, I knew the thing was it's coming. So fr- I know that we're not supposed to, like, it's only one person. But it's so ridiculous. We should close your Someone, laptop. We should close your laptop for the rest of the the no. rest of the block. Oh, that's part of the joy of the show. Is <laughs> Captain Sunshine, Mister Sunshine eighty four, is allowed to write into the show 84. and get his point across. Yeah, even if it is horse bleep. All right, we're cheering everybody up here because uh, we're talking Canadian soccer. The men's team will wrap up their World Cup. People qualifying think we're like a Toronto show. I could Panama. care less. Honestly, could care, could care less or couldn't care less. I could care less. Oh, that's a debate for another day. 
Uh, you can see the game on Sportsnet 360. Of course, the yeah, program we'll still out, riding high out, good for you. after officially punching their ticket to Qatar on Sunday. I was right about that. So how much no, are they aren't. actually playing for flush. tonight? No, no, no. I said flush. Ken said flush. Review the tape. Are you sure? Yeah, positive. Right. How big is this game tonight? What are they playing for? Which one? Canada soccer. No, you asked me two questions. How, how much are they actually playing for tonight? Sure. Yeah, I'm positive. <laughs> yeah, I'm positive. Um, I can give you, like, you want me to give you the specifics on that? For sure. Um, <laughs> Canada's already qualified. Yeah. Canada wins or ties. They win CONCACAF. Canada wins and only wins. They will go into pot three, which theoretically means that there will be at least one team in their four-team group in the World Cup that will be ranked lower than lower than them, like a Qatar or a Saudi Arabia. I mean, Cameroon, Ecuador, Ghana, uh, they're all ranked lower than Canada, though I don't think they would be walkthroughs in any way, shape, or form. Uh, that's specifically what's on the line. But the reason why I think that you were stuck on two different questions was because there's two different kind of thoughts here. And I think John Herdman and the team have different priorities going into this game. In fact, I know it because I listened to this clip earlier. You know, when we came into this, we said we'd qualify, but qualify was only one of the goals that we'd set to really define New Canada was finishing top of CONCACAF. And what we know is the U.S., they scored five against Panama. They could score four against Costa Rica and top us. We're not letting that happen. I love it. Mm -hmm. he, he's pushing to the very end. I love um, Lucas Weiss on Twitter tweeted out um, our conversation with John Herdman, Sid Nyes from 2018, where he talked about all the things that have come to fruition in the last little while. Like, speak it into existence. They have, he has, and it's worked. And I got a feeling that tonight you're not going to see a hungover Canadian team playing half their guys. It sounds like tonight they're going to look to beat Panama. Yeah. They're going to look to win CONCACAF. And they're going to look to be in that pot three. That was going to be my follow-up question. Are we expecting the, the A lineup tonight against Panama? I don't know. There might be. Listen, sometimes you have to uh, massage relationships with teams in Europe. And there might have been a few calls from a couple clubs in Europe that mm -hmm. said, hey, do me a favor, sit our guy. And sometimes in these situations, you kind of have to make sure that you keep that relationship with club and country mm -hmm. Copacetic, so uh, there might be a couple guys that are out, and if we hear later that the club called, you kind of just got to tip your cap. Those things happen, without a doubt, and when it matters most, the club will be happy that their team or their player got better in a World Cup. Makes sense. Much more soccer coming up a little bit later in the show, but for now we go to the Raptors who look for their fourth straight win as they host the Timberwolves tonight. Toronto is alone in sixth place in the Eastern Conference with seven games remaining in the season, while Minnesota is also fighting to avoid the play-in tournament. They're currently in seventh in the West, two games back of the Nuggets and Jazz with less than two weeks to go in the season. The NBA standings are quite frankly Bananas. Last night's Bulls beat the Wizards to move a half game ahead of the Raptors for fifth. The Cavs remain one game back. They're in Dallas tonight to take on the Mavs. Meanwhile, the top four teams in the conference are separated by game and a half. The Bucks, a half game back of the Heat for first after Milwaukee beat Philadelphia last night. And tonight, Miami 
visits Boston over in the West. There is more certainty at the top, but after the Lakers lost again last night, they're now not even in a position for the play-in tournament, which is insane, as the Spurs have moved past them for 10th. So much happening. Which of the races is most interesting to you coming down the stretch, Tim? Both could and couldn't care less are informal. There we go. So, <laughs> there we go. Um, We're both right. The They're all, like, you and I could sit here and have each one of these conversations, I feel like, for the next at least 36 minutes of this hour. Definitely. And maybe adding the hour on top of them. The one that jumped out to me last night was I kind of felt like Giannis Attentacompo all season long has been slept on in the MVP race. And I felt like maybe yesterday in a bigger game, they wanted to prove a point. The Milwaukee Bucks in Philadelphia in a tight game played them all of 38 minutes. Mm -hmm. And what I've told you all along is go look at the minutes per game among the top scorers in the NBA and Giannis has played significantly less than everybody else and yet is still right there. I know it's probably going to be Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic who win the MVP. What I'm here to tell you is Giannis Attentacumpo because he's telling dad jokes and because he's smiling and because he's not banging his chest. Much like Nikola last year and he's not yelling and screaming and he's not on social media doesn't get the respect that he deserves. He is an unbelievable player. And for me, last night, the block, and what, I mean, he had a dunk that was pretty ridiculous. He had a block that was pretty ridiculous. I feel like too many people are sleeping on Giannis as the MVP. And this basically saved the game. The minutes are definitely working against him because uh, it's hard to award someone for when something that's happening when they're not on the floor, right? That's player efficiency rating. That's yeah, why I always he, say per. That's why I think that number is when he's on the floor, what does he do? Mm -hmm. And his numbers aren't like, sure, Joel Embiid's like 30, 11, and 4. Giannis is 30, 12, and 6. Yeah. Jokic is the, Jokic In is less the closest. Minutes. Yeah, Jokic is the closest. Jokic is top 10. He's a center in three of the most important categories. Just crazy. Yeah. So you don't think it's Embiid? You think it's Jokic? I think it's Jokic. I would accept. Like his, his player efficiency is better than it was last year when he went MVP. So that's a big thing for me. But it, but we should look because I think Giannis is better could, than yeah, Jokic. Yeah, could, could which is crazy. Right? <laughs> Those three and, guys. I mean, and they would be the two highest numbers in the history, history of the NBA. Unbelievable. Still to come, Kenny Reed joins for our numbers. Yeah, it's a Kenny Reed Wednesday. Elliot Friedman, all the latest from the NHL. See if he's got a tan and a special look back at Canada's men's soccer team and their journey to the World Cup. But up next, my friend and yours, Cabral Richards stops by the studio to discuss Wager Week coming up on Sportsnet. It's Tim and Friends on a hump day. This is one of the, the great moments in Canadian soccer history. That's how you play for this country. This is a remarkable story. They are cruising, they are rolling to, to the World Cup. Hall gets pile driven into the boards by Labushkin and takes exception. There's a little grab to the right ear. Not sure I saw an injury there, Jack. Do you have the answer for me? I'm not out there playing. Maybe I think I'm. You give me the answer for <laughs> Exactly. So, well, I don't have to answer. Okay. You got that? You got that? You got it? Coming down from the stands, beer in hand, is Bill the Spaceman Lee. 
So another one, too. Bill actually almost got a strike and I couldn't believe it. Hey, just swinging a miss! Friends, it is Wager Week, kids. The new era of sports betting has arrived. Follow at SMBets on Twitter Let's and Instagram for all of the action. Tune in to Wager Week starting this Monday, April 4th. The man you hear clapping is the man you see in that screen with that nice hoodie that Uncle Timmy wants to get a piece of, not the actual hoodie that you're wearing. We have fought before. That's not what I'm suggesting in any way. I would just Fish like up. a hoodie. Bro Richards, everybody. Yes, yeah. let's go. What's going on? Go, Bro I'm Richards. one of Tim's friends. That's why I'm here. I'm one of the friends. That's me. That's You You are a friend, yes. without a doubt. What the hell is going on with Wager Week? Tell the man so it's, it's <laughs> on a man uh, It starts next week. It yeah. starts on, on Monday. And we are celebrating on What Tim. a Monday. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're, if you're, like, UNC has a chance to beat Duke twice. Twice in this team. Yeah, right? No, no. And like, UNC. Davis is first, like, you're a first-year head coach. Does, and, does Coach Krzyzewski unretire if he loses his ooh. final home game at Cameron Indoor Stadium right? to North Carolina, the greatest rival, and then loses the only time you've ever matched up in with the final UNC four. Yeah. in the tournament, never yeah. mind the Final Four. No. Jesse's shaking his head with his off pink shirt. Don't you know that I like the, that. I like that. The no, contrast. you're you're clashing. Well, his, is, his is pink. This is peach. Yeah, you you are yeah. you are off right now. Now he won't retire if he loses. He won't retire. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, no. I said he might not. He might have to unretire. Yeah, I agree. He might unretire. Uh, yeah, what a Monday. So, yeah, talking about the national, national championship game. So, yeah, starts. So, on April 4th, people in Ontario have the ability to bet on single, uh, single game events. Mm-hmm. And for um, since we were younger, you know, we've always had to, when we place bets, you yeah. have to use, you know, three game parlays or whatever on Pro Line and Sports Sports Select. So, now you can bet on one thing. You can bet on a player prop, which I love. Yeah. You can bet on a, on a side, like, UNC or Duke for on Saturday, and who uh, you know Villanova and uh, Villanova and Kansas on the other side. Uh, so that Monday starts a week of fun activities for the SN Bets crew. We will be going to games. We we'll call them ride-alongs. We want to bring the audience along with us. Nice. We're going to a Jays. We're going Raptors. We're going Leafs, Jays. Like it's that that week. It's there's also the Masters. It's a, it starts on uh, Thursday, obviously. <laughs> yes, thank you. And your Jesse best. will give you some picks. Your be- oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's go. Cool. I love golf more than anything. We, but I like, I need, we need some long shots, my G. Oh, that's fine. We don't just need like Dustin Johnson. No, we no, need, no. Okay. Are you asking no, I got for you value? Covered. We need, yes, we need some value because yeah, okay. we want to sprinkle. Yeah. We want to sprinkle <laughs> yes. on, on the board. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have some ride-alongs. We have, you know, a new franchise we're starting called SM Bets Versus where it'll be our community versus like, the Tim and Friends community, oh, other nice. factions at Sportsnet, whether it's podcasts, whether it's other hosts, some journalists, Elliot Donovan, Arash, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try to mix it up with everybody. And we're also it's gonna be the first time that Bending is really integrated into live broadcasts. Right. And at Sportsnet we have like so many games. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there'll be, you know, some some hockey, there's baseball, some basketball and it's it's an exciting time and we've been gearing up for this moment for I believe the legislation was passed on August the 18th or 28th right. last year federally that 
uh, we can that Canadians can bet on single games. And then here we are. We're like at the at the like the doors there, and then it's like hey. And then listen, we're not advocating like everybody lose their minds and go bet on a bunch. Right. Listen, if it's one dollar or two, mm. that's fine. Like nobody is shaming mm. how much you're gonna bet. We just yeah, I hate that as a matter of fact. As people I, who shame other people for yeah for what the number is. The, or what the, the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. And sometimes even I see people posting the fifty thousand dollar bets and stuff like that. I didn't know it's fun to see and or watch, but I feel like half of them are lying. Anyways, I love the idea. <laughs> but, wait, but if they show the ticket. But sometimes it's photoshopped? No, no, I think sometimes they're photoshopped and I also believe sometimes <laughs> people will bet the same the two sides pay the juice. Oh yeah, I see. What you mean. In order to get the okay, clout that really, they would get. Really but I'm not that is cool. listen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't even don't I even, never yeah. even thought about I mean, that. I mean, oh, there's say, people out there doing that all the theorist. time. I'm going to bet Duke North Carolina both Tim's of them this week. Always like a little bit of side eye with with Uncle Timmy. Man, I grew up in a place where you had to have side eye cuz people would do that to you. Uncle Tommy used to tell me stories about what they would do back in the day on how they would get people, but I'm not going to walk that road. You mentioned ride-alongs. I'm down for ride-alongs because okay. basically I've ridden alongside your career the entire way, and I want to jump in on some of this stuff. And I heard that you also brought some ride-along with you today. Well, yes, well, we have we have what they call some content. Oh, nice to McGallum. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're you know I I we grabbed a bunch of people that work here, some creators, uh, some people that you guys uh, know at home. And uh, in a series of testimonials, we have some, some betting stuff, and I'm happy that you are in this piece. And we had to start, we just started inside the family. Okay. Like, and the question is, who do you trust? So you guys enjoy some trust issues here at Sportsnet. Trusting Sportsnet employees as betters. I got to go with Freege, man. Any insider that knows as much as he knows, and I'm not just talking about hockey. Elliot Freeman knows everything about everything sports. I trust Kevin Bieksa. Bieksa gave me a couple of plays earlier this year that hit some underdogs, so I trust Bieksa. I also trust Tim McAuliffe. Tim's just better at betting than I am, and this goes back like 20 years. The person I trust as a better at Sportsnet is absolutely nobody. Maybe this guy. Right here, it's my gut. Or Cabral Richards, he's got a good heart. If I had to pick somebody, I gotta go with Arash Madani. I feel like he has some kind of tennis account in Europe where he's just been building it for years. That's easy, it's Elliot Friedman, because he is the most trusted person in Canadian sports media. Uh, who do I not trust at Sportsnet? I'm gonna go with JD Bunkus. I don't trust JD Bunkus. JD shoots more, th like, throws out more hot takes than Steph Curry makes. Uh, three-pointers. J.D. Bunkus, just on a really bad losing streak right now, and uh, I think he's a chase better, so I can't trust that. <laughs> I was gonna say Sid Sixero, and that's why I sent him to breakfast television. But can I say Sid? Can I say Sid Sixero? Anytime you're putting your money on a guy uh, to run wind sprints in a garage, it's it's not gonna go out in your favor. Uh, does Sid Sixero still work here? Because I don't trust that. I gotta go with Cabby Richards. I think he's just too optimistic. Cabby. I don't trust Cabby. He's always nervous. It's because he's losing money. I will never bet on the Houston Rockets again. The team is trash. And like, I don't want to name names, Jay Sean Tate or Christian Wood. I don't want to do that, Eric Gordon. I think all I've got to say here is 28 to three. 
College basketball, Georgetown Hoyas. They have not had anyone make a jump shot in 30 years. Team I'll never bet on, the Lakers. I don't know if anybody remembers AD's buzzer beater against Denver. Earlier that season, played the Brooklyn Nets with no Kyrie, no Durant, and they lost. He missed that shot and they lost, and I lost about 80 bucks on it, so never again. The flip side of that, though, is teams that have a day off in Toronto playing the Toronto Raptors. I'll just say, if you know, you know. I don't think you should trust anyone as a better. I think you should listen to people and then make your own judgments as a better, because then you have no one to blame but yourself if it goes bad. And if it goes good, then you take all the credit. So true, those, those are truer words. Those are truer words have never been spoken. Trust you. Get, yeah, get some information. You. Trust you. But trust you. Yeah, I agree. I don't have a good gut feel, though. I'm like more of a research guy than a gut feel. You are, you said you're a gut feel guy, not a gut feel. No, guy. but I, like, I, I do the, I, I look at the, I have yeah. 35 <laughs> sheets of paper. <laughs> and then yeah. I go with my gut. Okay. But oftentimes, when I overdo the numbers and overthink it, I end up on the wrong side. So Some people are just straight up gut feel for their bets. I, uh, I have something for you. And I know you're going to give us a little, uh, you're going to give us a little sprinkle next week. So we're along for the ride once again for Wager Week here on Tim and Friends with at SNBets on Twitter and Instagram. Go follow them. I have a couple wagers for you, Cab. I picked out four for you. For tonight? You can pick, I'm going to pitch you them. Okay, let's. You pick one. All right. I bet you $1,000. What? Of that, real, like real money? Real money. That I will never look younger than you do. <laughs> That's just a way for me to say that you look marvelous. <laughs> I thought you were a real, it's like a real game. I got, I got, I got some real money. Okay, ones. okay. I will shave the beard that you love so much. Oh, I can't wait till you shave it. I need to win this bet. <laughs> if, no, I'm giving you three. You pick one. All right. If the Lakers miss the playoffs, I will give you 20 push-ups on air once my finger heals if Connor Hellebuck shuts out Buffalo on Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey tonight. If Ooh. Anthony Edwards has more points than Pascal Siakam tonight, I will tweet out that at SN Bets is my daddy. <laughs> mm. Well, you I got to go with the last one. You have, you have three choices. Oh, my gosh. 20 push-ups. Pascal's I shaved the beard that Cabby once walked in here and said, homie, please shave your beard. Yeah, you need to shave <laughs> But that, too, but the, how many? How many of those? Like four, six games in the Lakers season? They totally do. They miss the playoffs, and then the middle one was hell about mm. shutout against Buffalo tonight. Like that's an instant payoff oh, one. I know, I know. But and I'm like doing Skinner. push-ups. Although mm. I kind of thought they, about this before. Pascal, I realized Pascal, twenty-two and a half a game. Yeah, Pascal's twenty-one for point. twenty-one for Anthony Edwards. Oh my God! If Anthony Edwards has more points than Pascal Siakam, I will tweet at SNBets is my dad. Oh, mm, bet against boy. Pascal. Well, I loathe the beard. I would enjoy seeing you do try to bang out 20 push-ups like in a row. Uh, and then like we gotta you gotta go, go check. Gotta, gotta decide. Go chest to the, you, okay. Ooh, listen, I gotta do it for the squad. And we right, want the, the squad wants to you to acknowledge Edwards. that we're your daddy. Anthony Edwards has more points than Pascal Siakam. Uh, I tweet out, at SMBets is my daddy. You're my friend. You are my friend. You're my friend, and you apparently may be my daddy tonight. Time for a break. When we come back, another massive night for Canada soccer as the men try to secure their spot. Pot three for Friday's World Cup draw. After the break, James Sharman sits down with CONCACAF President Victor Montagliani. What's next in Tim and Friends?
Cabby, thank you. My pleasure. Two friends on a Wednesday, Ken Reed, Elliot Friedman coming up. Canada's final World Cup qualifier goes tonight in Panama. A win will see them finish atop CONCACAF and secure pot three. On paper, the chance at an easier draw for the World Cup. The draw will go on Friday. Oh, it's so good. You can see it all starting with the pregame. 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 Pacific, and it is on Sportsnet 360. Canada's qualification for the World Cup was a very proud moment for many soccer-loving Canadians, including current CONCACAF president and FIFA vice president Victor Montagliani. The former CSA president, Canadian Soccer Association president, has spent most of his life working on the game in this country. He recently sat down with our man, James Sharman, to discuss the rise of the program. You've run soccer in BC, you've run soccer nationally, now within the Confederation. What, what does qualifying for a World Cup for Canada actually mean to you personally? <laughs> Honestly, it's the greatest moment in my professional career. As a Canadian who you know, has put uh, my heart and soul into this, uh, like many others, uh, it's really uh, a moment that uh, I'll never forget for the rest of my life and, uh, and to share it with people that uh, have worked beside me, with me, players, coaches, I'm not sure too many things get more emotional. The journey's been long, but the quest for Qatar is complete. You're there, of course, as CONCACAF president. Were you able to take that hat off and be a fan for, for a little while there? Yeah, more than a little while. Um, I love CONCACAF, I love my region, I love all my 41 federations, I love my country, and, and I wear my heart on my sleeve. I do the exact same for my CONCACAF countries uh, when they're competing internationally. Every day I'm Canadian, that never goes away. It's true, we're all football fans, aren't Absolutely. we? And to say otherwise is, is a lie, it's unauthentic and people won't, won't buy into it. That said, how important is it for Canada to finally be a real force in this confederation? Well, it, it goes two ways. There's the sporting side, um, which uh, I think Canada is finally getting to where it needs to be. And it's been coming. Uh, I know a lot of people think we started kicking the ball 13 games ago, but it's been coming. Uh, people that are in the game know it. They have felt it. Uh, and they just needed that extra push by a guy by the name of John Herdman uh, to, to get us over that line. But also it's important, even from a business standpoint, you need rivalries. You need star players. That's what sells. And so to have a Canada uh, now in the mix is good for business. An impossible dream. Well, it's come true, Canada. A where were you moment? I think it's probably the most historic moment we've ever had. It gives us relevancy globally. With all due respect, and I'm a season ticket holder and I love hockey, but you win the Olympic gold medal and it's huge in Canada. But I don't think anybody else in the world knows that we won in overtime to win an Olympic gold. Just, sorry, just not like that. But I travel all over the world. People know what happened. Canada isn't just going to the World Cup. They're going to it in style. People know who this team is. 
And yes, Canadian kids will be wearing these jerseys, but I got news for you. There'll be kids in other countries wearing these jerseys as well. That's relevant. People have said you've come into a new role, you know, how are you getting ready for 2026, 2022? All the work we're doing now will be the foundation for 2026. When we qualify for 2022, the foundation will be laid. John mentioned before how, how qualifying for Qatar was so important because it laid the foundation for 2026. Excellent on the field, but you're saying also off the field. Absolutely, off the field as well. You're now a World Cup country for two World Cup cycles. It's nearly eight years, you know, and you know, at the rate that young players are coming up, to say that we won't be there in 2030 is probably a long shot that we won't be there, not that we will be there. And so, I mean, that kind of security, knowing that you're gonna be in that event, gives you a great narrative to build your business on. And it's not about the CSA only in isolation. This is about the industry of the game in our country. Well, it's going to be a busy year. It's going to be a, a, a huge year for CONCACAF and, of course, for our nation. Uh, thanks, Victor. Thanks, you, James. James Sherman, Victor Montagliani. Time for a break. We'll hit the rings in Buffalo, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Up next, we'll be joined by the whirling dervish that is Kenny Reed to talk about the Leafs and Bruins and probably a little fighting. Tim and friends, and sometimes folks, continues after this. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sheepdog's back here, hour number two, and Tim and Friends, full hour Sportsnet 360, just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet. Kenny Reed in studio, chomping at the bit. Elliot Friedman will be by in about 15 minutes to discuss all the goings on in the NHL. And speaking of Scotia, and speaking of Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey follows us 6:30 Eastern on Sportsnet. It will feature the Jets and the Sabres. The Jets getting some bad news today, though, as they try and stay tough in this playoff race. With more on that. Let's go live to Buffalo. It's Sabres, it's Jets tonight. And between the benches is Kyle Bukoskis who joins us now. Kyle, what's going on? Man, well, I, I tell you, Tim, I, I, when I grew up, I would love to be Emily Kaplan of ESPN. So this is a, a good way to start to be between the benches <laughs> for a little conversation here. But you know what? You mentioned the unfortunate news for, for Winnipeg. I don't know if I'd call it worst-case scenario, but, boy, oh. it certainly is not ideal. The, this morning, the Jets got to the arena here at KeyBank Center. Those who needed to test did. And for Kyle Connor and defenseman Nate Schmidt, the tests came back positive. So not only are those two, and you got Connor, their leading scorer, fifth in the league in goals with 41 on the year. Those two players out tonight. They're out tomorrow in Toronto, and they're out Saturday when they're back home and hosting the Los Angeles Kings, all at a time when they need points more than ever just to stay afloat in the Western Conference wildcard race. Now, my understanding is that they are going to quarantine stateside. I believe they're going to be hanging out at Kyle Connor's uh, off-season home in Michigan before they can are able to travel across the border and back home in Winnipeg. But three crucial games coming up here this week for the Jets without uh, their most important forward, or one of, and a veteran defenseman. It's just a very unfortunate timing for a team that's still trying to hang around in the playoff hunt. It feels like it's been a bad luck year for this Jet squad, hasn't it, Kyle? 
Yeah, it's just it's it's been a, a different and uh, a strange feel around for yeah. for much of, of this season, right? From you know Paul Maurice stepping away and deciding to uh, move on to something else in, in his life, and the team just struggling to get you know some traction. But you know all of that considered, they've had a pretty good month of March. They've won nine games in the month here so far, and though the math isn't ideal for them, like they're still hanging around three points back of Dallas. I know the Stars come back one last night, which didn't help them. They still got a couple of games in hand on Winnipeg, but you know, you've still got the firepower. When Kyle Connor gets back in the lineup, he's had a career year. Nick Ehler's been sensational since coming back from injury, and you've got the rest of the big boys up front mm-hmm. that are capable of doing things offensively. So they've still got a chance, but it's just been a season that hasn't felt right from the jump when a lot of people peg this team to be a maybe a sexy pick to come out of the Canadian side of things and go deep in the playoffs similar to what they did in 2018. Without a doubt. And you and I both got love for Emily Kaplan, without a doubt. However, I'd be more worried between the benches in Buffalo of Rob Ray showing up (laughs) telling you to get the hell out. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate you. I'm heading for the exits here now, Tim. Thank you. There's Kyle Bukoskis in Buffalo. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Jets and Sabres. Oilers looking to uh, take another step towards maybe second in the Pacific. They are taking on the Kings at Rogers Place tonight. You can see it at Sportsnet 1, 9 p.m. Eastern. Miko Koskinen gets the call on net with more on that one. Let's send it to Gene Principe in Edmonton. Oh, Gino. Tim, I don't think there's been much of a home ice advantage uh, for any teams uh, virtually in any sports because of what's happened the past couple of years. But the Edmonton Oilers have finally uh, found a real nice groove at Rogers Place after sweeping through a five-game homestand in which they beat teams the likes of Tampa Bay and Washington. They've continued that hot streak, including the start of a current three-game homestand with a win on Monday night against Arizona. They are hoping that the playoffs We'll start right here. Now, tonight's game may help determine if that's the case as they host the LA Kings. The Kings currently hold on to second place in the Pacific Division, and they are two points up on the Oilers. The Oilers do have a game in hand, but you see how important home ice has been for Edmonton and how important it might be if they start the playoffs right here in the Alberta capital. They're hoping they continue that streak tonight and at the same time make up some room in the standings in the Western Conference, Tim. Yeah, without a doubt, and mentor versus mentee, and uh, Todd McClellan versus Jay Woodcroft. In Vancouver, the Canucks and Blues meet in the second half of a home-and-home Vancouver's playoff chance, hanging on by a threat after a 4-1 loss to St. Louis, after which Bruce Boudreaux said, I just didn't think we had enough guys playing with a sense of urgency that is needed at this stage of the season, end quote. That seems like a problem to me. We'll see if they can address that tonight in what feels like as close to a must-win as you can get. Kind of like the Jets without it actually being a must win. With more on that, Dan Murphy. Dan? Tim, hello from Vancouver. Yes, the Canucks back on home ice after going 2-1-1 on the road versus some of the very best the Central Division has to offer. For all intents and purposes, a good road trip. But right now, good simply not good enough for this Vancouver Canucks team that will need to be great down the stretch if they want to grab a playoff spot. Let's say the playoff cutoff bar is 95 points. The Canucks have 14 games left. That means they'll need to go 11-3 or 10-2-2 or 9-1-4. Any way you slice it, it is going to be very difficult. 
Now, if you're looking for some good news, nine of their last 14 games right here on home ice. And one of the teams are trying to catch, the Vegas Golden Knights, well, they still have three games remaining versus Vegas. Tonight, though, it's the St. Louis Blues, a team that took care of them just two nights ago in St. Louis. But on that night, Halak got the start. Tonight, it's back to Thatcher Demko. Tim. Thank you, Murph. The Raptors hosting the T-Wolves tonight. Scotiabank Arena Raptors have won three straight and are a game up on the Cavs in sixth and the final guaranteed playoff spot in the East. Otherwise, they're playing in, my friends. T-Wolves also in a tight race themselves. Raptors only missing Malachi Flint, meaning the rotation will have more opportunity to gel tonight, but Nick Nurse still knows what's most important here. Well, I think that... And the main thing is, is that the record's good, right? I don't think we're going to care how we get there, uh, what the lineup rotations are. That's the main thing. Um, yeah, again, they just need they just need to probably to play together a little bit. It's it's been surprising how little they have been available, like all year long. I, I know you guys know the exact minutes and all that stuff and the number of games, but to me, it feels like hardly any at all. So they just need some time to again to get more organized and a little bit more connected. He's got a fisherman's friend in there, Danny. Wouldn't doubt it. He has yeah. the best voice. I love his voice. <laughs> yeah, means he's been yelling off baseball. Jays made a move today. They signed outfielder Dexter Fowler to a minor league deal with an invite to Major League Camp. Um, he's 36. He only played seven games last year with the Angels switch hitter. Now, they were heavily linked to him back in 2017 before he signed a big deal with the Cards. Didn't go as planned. Meantime, Jays spring training action this evening against the Yankees. You can see it exclusively and free on Sportsnet now at 6.30 Eastern time. So you could watch us yes. and you could watch the Jays and Yankees. It's a Bob Cole kind of night. Everything is happening. Win-win. No doubt. Everything's happening. And everything happened seemingly last night. Leafs and Bruins. There's no skate today, so we're still awaiting injury updates on Peter Morazic, Justin Hall, and Ilya Labushkin. But Taylor Hall has been fined 5000 bucks for his sucker punch on Labushkin. Department of Player Safety called it roughing and 5000 bucks maximum allowable under the CBA. Why so that would you was... save that to right before me when you already did the hockey stuff? Why, was your tag... <laughs> Why would you do the hockey stuff, then go do some other items, then go well, back to hockey with that right because before me? Because we're going into Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey mm -hmm. and Elliot Friedman is coming up. So there's more of a flow there and maybe because we knew it would grind your gears. Maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you really want to know what grinds my gears? Kenny Reed on a Wednesday. Love having him in. That does not grind my gears in any way, shape, mm -hmm. or form. But does that somehow grind your this gears? It grinds my gears. I'm watching uh, a game with Sammy Cos last night. I, I did Hockey Central last night. So I watched with Sammy Cos and I go, oh. Mike, Mike Feuder wasn't there? Futes was around earlier, but then he went home and watched himself in Youngblood. He's in Youngblood. He's an extra. He got hit by Rocky. Okay. And then I'm on my little phone, yeah. and I go, oh, come on. What is this soft world I live in? It's the Tim and Friends Twitter account. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, fine, suspension, or nothing. And I tweet back, what's less than nothing? Nothing. And then oh, every little Leafs fan comes at me on the Twitter machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I heard you bring it up, and you nailed it. First off, greasy hit by Labushkin. So if you do that hit, if you do that hit, how do you just turn and skate away like, la, 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 Taylor Hall's not going to do anything after that hit. You have to know that Taylor Hall's going to get up and probably want a piece of you. But he gets a greasy, greasy hit by Labushkin. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying what Hall did isn't greasy either, but you got to know something's coming after you hit a dude like that, don't you? 
I, I suggest that you do, but I also don't think that we need that in the game. And listen, like, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you because I think that it was probably dealt with well after the fact. I thought in game we always have problems with the NHL inconsistency. Yeah, like if it's if, the hardest game in the world to officiate. First off, it is, and also there's a lot of guys who officiate the game who think they want it to be tough, and yet at times don't call it tough. Mm-hmm. Except for when things like two minutes for roughing, it should have been two minutes for boarding or hitting from behind, and give them five. That's a fight. That, I, I wouldn't even say, if you didn't want to give him the match, give him five for fighting. I not fight. That's not a fighting. First off, I'm not at the uh, the Andy Brickley school. Did you hear Andy Brickley on Nesson what he yeah, said? Reaches for the ear, yeah. poking the. I'm like he wasn't reaching for the ear. I'm not there. Uh, Labushkin's got to know that's coming. So I think the ref kind of said, "Okay, I'll let you get away with the greasy hit, the the punch in the side of the head. Uh, because of the greasy hit, I'm going to give you the two, not the five. Okay, but, but here's my problem with it: is that you allow the emotions to run in a game like that that you want. Mm-hmm. But it also goes a little bit too, like, the fact that after that game. First off, I like Labushkin hit, too. But if you're you're Phil Labushkin, you got to know something's coming. Come on, he skates away like he didn't do anything. Come on. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and I'm not going to argue that. I just think that the officials have issues controlling games that they want to not get the emotions Mm -hmm. out of play. Mm -hmm. But in the end, the team that's not as good skill-wise was evened up in penalties last night. Last night, the mm-hmm. Leafs were way better with their skill. Yes. And the penalties were 3-3 with one power play goal each. And when you watch that game, you knew who was pushing the envelope. Don't you know what's amazing about that game? The Leafs win. 6-4 was the final score? Yeah. Do you feel like the Leafs won that game? No. Today? Exactly. No, not at all. Bruins are so in their cage. Look at Marshawn. Love it. Push it, man. Push it. And the Leafs Leafs don't dress Wayne Simmons going into Boston. What are you doing? (laughs) What's the computer readout on that? And I heard you talking about the analytics, Timmy, and you nailed it. You have to dress Wayne Simmons going into Boston. The the Bruins are in your grill, man. It's old school. But then there's no no point in, like, analyzing it, right? Because it doesn't matter what they do in the regular season until the playoffs. Correct. Because they won the the game. Right. All year it's been it doesn't matter what they do in the regular season. Yeah. Well, it does because you just lost Hull and you just lost Labushkin. And Peter Morazic pulled his groin or whatever the hell he did with his groin that we haven't got the update on. Look. The, the, the regular season is a marathon, and you've got to get through the regular season. You've got, you got to get to the playoffs, and you've got to get there healthy. And then you reset once the playoffs come around. And if that's a seven-game series, there's no way the Leafs come here, out on top here, of that here, if that's what a seven-game series is. Here's the like. difference between, I think, you and I. When the Bruins did that to the Vancouver Canucks, mm-hmm. I thought the NHL really screwed up here. Mm-hmm. You thought... Man, the Bruins really handled the Canucks. Loved it. Yeah. They manhandled the Canucks. Look, yeah. if it's not called, it's not a penalty. Right? Right. But it's it sh- not called. What I'm saying is that it should have been called. Right. And we've and been saying that for years yeah. that it should have been called, but uh, it, it keep, we keep being shown that it's not going to be called. And it oh, doesn't I know, change. Without, without a doubt. And listen, for me, the way that the, the Oilers are put together, the way that the Leafs are put together, more so the Leafs, it's we're going to outscore you. If that's what the game is, if it's run and gun, it's highly entertaining, and I love it. And I've said this before. I wish that kind of hockey could work in the playoffs. It would be far more entertaining to see two teams try to outscore each other. But the way it is officiated, you are not going to win that way in the playoffs. Yeah, You're not going to win 8-7 in the playoffs. They're trying to do that balance of having the offense with not taking the emotion out of the game. And what right. I'm saying is 
you can't be half pregnant here. You can't be. Look at the Edmonton Oilers, man, in the 80s. Those wonderful teams had the toughest guys playing for them. But I think well. it's the league that's half pregnant. The league's always been half yeah, pregnant. They're acting like regular season were this way and then playoffs were another way. All right, listen, we've got to take the break. We always run out of time with Kenny Reed in studio. Elliot Friedman's going to join us. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to be talking about some of the similar things yeah, with Elliot I might Friedman talk about my man crushes later, my top five, because I heard you and Kyle were talking about it. <laughs> yeah, me and Kyle Brandt. <laughs> We're talking. He was upset that you had other man crushes. Well, I'm not a monogamous man. Is that a word? Dubis isn't on that list, is he? It is time now for 3 of 32 with Elliot Freeman. 3 of 32 brought to you by the first ever GMC 84 lineup. And I was distracted because I was thinking about uh, Ken Reed's uh, very astute observation mm-hmm. of uh, Elliot Friedman. In uh, in studio, we have it. We have yeah. we have Instagram Elliot, <laughs> Reality Elliot, Instagram Elliot, Reality Elliot. What's going on? I right? don't have my monitor on, so I can only imagine. What no, this it's looks the great like. picture it's of the, you that you've yeah. used as your the uh, picture of your you. out of avatar, the James Bond picture. Oh, that one. Okay. God, you're handsome. I love that picture. <laughs> I watched I watched No Time to Die on the flight down to Florida. What a great movie. <laughs> Is that the new one? That's the latest one? Excellent film. That's the latest oh, Jesse one. Jesse jumping yeah. in immediately. Yeah. Yeah. The daughter yeah, wants to yeah. watch that one. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's big on the James Bond stuff. All right. Uh, how was the trip to Florida? How'd it go? It was good. The, the best thing about it was when I got home, uh, Steph said that I have a tan. So mission accomplished. <laughs> how many uh, references did Jeff Merrick make to Mo from Slapshot talking about going to Florida once on a southern tour? Did he bring that up at all? <laughs> more, more, more than one, Ken. Yeah. I can say that. I can definitely remember at least two. <laughs> what yeah, was that, that was definitely there. What was the? Uh, I won't, we won't further any no, of We won't things, get into yeah. the underwater we'll, specialist. <laughs> right. uh, what was the most important news that you heard? Because there was a lot of distilling of what was said there. What was your biggest takeaway from Boca Raton? You know, honestly, uh, honestly, uh, Tim, it wasn't anything that happened at the GM meetings. It was, uh, I think, the Eugene Melnick, uh, the news about his uh, passing, you know, kind of overshadowed everything, really. Um, it, was, uh, it was a big surprise. It loomed large over uh, everything that happened on Tuesday. Um, you know, I, I, I think, for first of all, it was surprising. I don't know how many people were really expecting it, although, you know, now we know the NHL had kind of been warned a couple of weeks in advance that things were not looking good, unfortunately, and they were preparing for it. I just think that when you think of his presence, uh, whether you were a Eugene Melnick fan or you weren't, uh, his presence in, in Ottawa and in the Canadian hockey landscape, it was such a big deal. And now I think all the questions about, you know, where we're going to go. And already there's one report which the Senators have refuted about Quebec City. And, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And, and there's going to be some stuff like this. Uh, I think that's just, it just loomed large over the entire meeting. Yeah, I mean, we're, this is just getting started, Elliot, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. is it, I mean, is it too early to talk about this? What's going to happen with the Senators? No, I, I don't think it, I mean, look, it's, it's not for the family, right? Like they have to grieve and, and, right. and his friends and they have to handle it, uh, handle things as they see fit and how they feel. But I, you know, look, like if any of us thought it was too soon, we already had to, we already saw the senators deny one story, right? Yeah. Mm. So, you know, yeah. this, this is what happens. I mean, we're all going to be, you know, that's, you know, that's what we do. You know, I, I remember, uh, 
there was a minority owner of the Raptors, who uh, uh, Gronowski, who died in their first season. And I remember it was, I think it was on Boxing Day, and the owner of the Raptors came down to speak, and we were asking, you know, what happens to his share? And he says, is that what you guys do? You ask these questions mm -hmm. right away? And, you know, I, it's not always fun, and it's not always pretty, but, you know, and, I, and I, the one thing I do think here is I think the league has a plan. I think the Senators have, have been, you know, obviously everybody's been preparing for this. As I said today on Merrick's show, I, I really believe that the league is committed to Ottawa and a downtown arena eventually. And I do think that's the most likely outcome. But, you know, whether you like it or not, that's what gets asked at these times. Right. And, and to be fair here, like part of Eugene's legacy is that he saved anyone who was around for when he bought the Senators understand, understood or understand how dire the circumstances were when he took over. Rod Bryden was basically out every day, hat in hand, saying mm -hmm. like, this team's going to move. This team's going to move if we don't get this, if we don't get that. And so part of Eugene's legacy is definitely keeping the yeah, team there. Yeah. And there's a lot of people wondering if that changes without Eugene. And I think that's a fair question. I think it's a fair question. And I understand why people ask it. But like I said, you know, there, there was a time a couple of years ago when they were really having some battles over the downtown arena. And uh, I heard some rumblings that if they didn't get the team, they would consider moving. And I remember asking the league about that. And, and you know, their answer was, don't go there. Uh, you know, I think Gary Bettman has always understood how bad it would look if, if a team ha would have to leave uh, the Canadian capital. Um, I, think he's, uh, I think he's been committed to the market. And like I said, I, I was told, you know, don't go down that road. Don't float that the Sanders may be moving. I think they always believe that in the long run, a downtown arena would get done. Um, you know, it... There, it, it, it got screwed up a couple of years ago, uh, badly handled just about in every direction. Mm -hmm. But now they're trying it again. And, you know, whenever, whenever they're trying something again and the news isn't getting out, that's usually a good sign, Tim. And right now, news is scarce yeah. because everybody sits here and realizes it's time to make this happen. So I, I just do think that the league is committed to the Sanders and the league is committed to the Sanders in downtown Ottawa. I, you know, obviously the biggest question is what is the family going to want to do? What is the estate going to want to do? I definitely think there's interest, um, you know, but I think the, the NHL has, if it is to be sold, if it's not going to stay in the family, and I don't know that it is, it's going to be a big price tag. You know, a few years ago, somebody came forward and really lowballed them. And the league said, we're not going to let that happen here. So it would be a big price tag, but I don't think the team is going anywhere. Man, fans in Ottawa, they do deserve stability. I mean, I, I started working in Ottawa. I worked in Ottawa from 03 to 05 when Melnick was basically the hero. But still, to go to a game there, man, that is commitment. If you're going from, you know, Orleans or downtown to get to those games, it's a, it's a buzzkill by the time you get there. So well, by the time you park and then you huh. try and leave the parking lot, like there's one exit outside. Yeah, there is. Like, there's one exit. I, I remember that under Bryden, the, the who was going to pay for the exit to get yeah. to the then Corral Center, I believe it was called at the time. That was just nuts. That was the, one of the all-time Glenn Sather rants, yeah. I, I have to say, was that <laughs> only one exit on the entire highway is privately paid for, and it's that one. And I just remember he, I think he told it to a, a newspaper reporter once in Edmonton. And then a few of us, the next time we saw him, we asked him about it. And he just <laughs> delivered one of the all-time great 
Glenn say the rants. There's only one exit that's privately paid for, and it's that one. It really? was just it was a fantastic piece of work. He should talk to me about the city of Toronto tearing down the Gardner exit to the east end of the city. I, I got something in common with Slack. <laughs> yeah, I can go on about that, but I won't. You do. Uh, all right, so let's talk about what Kenny was all fired up about. What was the talk inside the league about Taylor Hall and his fine versus suspension? Are, are most people okay with this? Were they upset that there wasn't a suspension? What's your take on all this? Well, first of all, Kenny, I, I didn't hear you. Uh, how's, what's your feeling on this? I'm sure you can. Uh, 5,000 is more than enough. I thought Labushkin, I thought it was a greasy hit. He should have known something was coming. Okay. Um, you know, I, I got some real mixes. I, yeah. You know, obviously the Leafs are mad. Um, you know, I think, they, like, I think they feel Dylan Larkin got suspended this year for something mm-hmm. like that, a yeah. play with Matthew Joseph, and they see a real similarity. Um, I, you know, they also had Jason Spezza and Austin Matthews suspended for plays that were targeted retaliation, so they don't feel that this is any different. However, uh, I did get a number of people who said to me today that, uh, that they felt it was, uh, it, was, it was exactly what you said. I mean, it, it's sort of like it's, I guess it's like anything, Ken. You send out 50 text messages and you get 25 one way and 25 the other way. And I had people who said to me, look, this is what the rule book says. You've got to call that. It's a match penalty. And, uh, you know, my answer to that was the NHL doesn't exactly call the rule book here. <laughs> so it's not like you can really say that that's the case. But, you know, I, I think the Leafs are upset. Yeah. I, I think they look at it like it's retaliation. We had players suspended for retaliation. Larkin was suspended for this. And so we don't see why this is any different. I can see their point, but, you know, I jaywalked over to Raba to get uh, Raba sushi today, and I did not get fined, and that's against the rules. <laughs> no, so. it's, I, I just think it's, it's consistency that people are looking for, and that's why when we tweet something out and it fires up Kenny Reed, but there's over a thousand responses, like, people are just looking for some sort of consistency, and I think the Leafs are looking for the same thing. Yeah, to me it's... Yes, and it's also it's the Leafs. So, yes. it's, you know, there's always... <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's the Leaf fans go absolutely, and then the, the everybody else just hate tweets them to try to make them all even crazier. So yeah, it's funny go. how social media works that way, right? Like, it just makes a... Just uh, just lights a fire under everything. Adds, adds a little spice. I, I don't want you to spend yes, too much yes. time because we're running out of time here, but I just thought of this earlier today. Who's the Hart Trophy winner? Oh. Like, I think this could be a fascinating conversation for the rest of the season. And we only got about 30 seconds. You know, it might be be Roman Yossi. You know, I I think Matthews is there. Uh, I I think Matthews is there. Um, You know, but, you know, like, there's there's a couple of things here. You know, right now, if I I was voting, it would probably be between Matthews, Yossi, and Shesterkin. You Those could get, would probably be my three guys. You could get some value on Yossi right now if you're watching hey. right now because he's not even on the list. First time I saw Yossi in person, immediate man crush. Yeah, he's, Just he's, so he's good. good. So Thanks, Fridge. Always appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> See you, buddy. All right, guys. Take care. There's three of 32 right here on Timmy Friends. All right, time to send it to Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Carolyn Cameron, Anthony Stewart, Sam Cosentino standing by us for us. We'll be back. In 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360 with a special look back at Canada's World Cup qualifying campaign as they play Panama tonight. Hockey on Sportsnet, us on 360.
to McAlephant can't read without his trophies. Do you feel naked up there with just a Vlad and Dad? I got Vlad and Dad. I got my bobbleheads. <laughs> so dead. you're doing all right? But yes, I feel naked. I know soccer isn't number one on the reader list. Yeah. And we all have our loves. But to be honest with you, it's been amazing for me to watch kind of how this bandwagon has grown. Yeah. And is it safe to say that Kenny Reed is like officially on Listen, the bandwagon? Listen, you wrap anything in the flag and I'll watch it. My, you know what? I, like, so I'm going to backtrack a bit here. Yep. I did an event with John Herdman a few years ago and yep. he was speaking in front of, I guess, I would say it was 1,500 to 2,000 people and I was the MC. Right. So you get backstage and you, you know, you're, you're small talking. So John and I are small talking. He's such a super nice fellow. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times when you do these MC gigs, you're kind of running around backstage. You don't really sit and listen to the keynote. But John is so engaging. Just when you meet him, I'm going to listen to this. It was the most captivating keynote address I've ever seen. The guy can inspire anyone. And the clip you showed earlier, um, it was during James' interview of John in 2018. He was here saying, we're going to make the World Cup in 2022. And he was saying that. And I thought, that's a nice thought. It's good that you believe that, John. <laughs> and he believed it, and he made his players believe it. And, ah, man, I, you know, John Herdman, you'd follow him anywhere. Uh, he's an incredible leader, and, yeah, this is a great story. But have you come to the appreciation of the game where you see why the it's the world's game? <sighs> no, I, I wouldn't sit down and watch, you know, AC Milan play. I don't know. No, but when you're vested in, that goal becomes... Like, I I think that there is a thing with soccer that when you become vested, Mm -hmm. you realize how precious the goal is. Like goal as in a goal? As in single goal. As in you build the entire game to the one goal. And some people can't comprehend that. See, that's what I didn't like about the game. When Canada scored whatever minutes in, 15 minutes in, is that the goal that sends Canada to the World Cup? Gareth said it. I'm like... That's a good question, but it's kind of sad that there's 60, 75 minutes left in the game, and that's kind of the thing. So I don't get that. Right. I'll tell you my favorite moment of qualifying, though. Uh, who was it that got the two yellow cards in uh, the game in Costa Rica? Mark Anthony K. Yes. Yeah. So when Mark Anthony K. gets up and he touches Buddy, and Buddy goes, right. and he flops, Mark Anthony K. could have flopped, too. But he didn't. And I thought, I like that dude. He got two yellows. He got kicked out. And Canada was on the penalty kill for the whole game, Timmy. No, I, I was great. It was it's yeah. fantastic. Good on them. He's, uh, he spent some time in and around the same hometown as Wayne Simmons and those blue-collar guys in Scarborough. Tough guy. Went a little east to Ajax. Yeah, yeah. He exactly. Might, he might have a, a Scarborough's few Tom McAuliffe it. never dove when he played senior <laughs> hockey in Windsor on his way to the 1961 Allen Cup. 61? Was it 61? I don't, I don't even know the year. Uh, as Kenny mentioned, it has been a hell of a journey. Been there have been a ton of different things. And we take a look back, as produced by Terry and Delicato and the Sportsnet Highlight Zone. Here's a look back at just all of the hurdles to the final. All too familiar with pain, all too familiar with pride. I've been on my knees six, but gotten up seven times. It was never even a question of is it gonna be mine. It's not a matter of chance, just a matter of time. They have been staring with envious eyes for some time now at the true Goliaths of the region and saying, we want to play with you. This is exciting times to be a Canadian soccer fan. Never look back. It's something standing in my way. I always push back. It's something seen impossible. I never took that. No, because now I know better. Can't stop. Won't stop. I won't quit ever. Hey! 
in the Oct, but of course, you know, once you get here, they also want more. If this team hit a fifth gear, pretty exciting what, what could happen. I'm telling you, it's a matter of time. The Azteca. Canada's never won there. In fact, they haven't scored there in 41 years. Oh, so good! For the first time since 1981, Canada has earned a result in Mexico. This team doesn't quit. They've got that real character that the ghosts of the past are exercised. For the men's program, this is the biggest game since 1986. So in the words of Lloyd Christmas, you're telling me there's a chance. Davies takes it away. Alfonso Davies keeps it himself. Goal! Alfonso Davies, are you kidding me? Is this the greatest Canadian soccer goal of all time? And this is one of the, the great moments in Canadian soccer history. Pure, raw speed. The deft touch to keep it inbound. The composure to finish it off. It's one of the, if not the greatest goal a, a Canadian footballer has ever scored for his country. I'm taking it by the reins, I'm taking it to the sky. I'm never taking a break, I'm only taking what's mine. You say it's taking too long, I'm taking that as a sign. It's not a matter of faith, just a matter of time. I don't know if I've ever seen Canadian soccer at this high a level. It's just a great opportunity to step forward and, and make a statement. That's how you play for this country, for this jersey. Welcome to the North Commonwealth Stadium, a frozen fortress. Canada gave my family everything, and this is the, just the way of us to return it to Canada. There are people that never thought they would see anything like this. They're making history every single window they come into. And Canada proving once again they belong on the world stage with Qatar 2022, closer to becoming reality. Welcome to San Pedro Sula, Honduras, now providing the backdrop for new Canadian dreams. Fraser goes long, pins one for David, look at that control, Jonathan David! Oh my, that was special! Bandwagons open, yes, jump on. This team belongs in the World Cup. Hey, my friend, this is League One. What up, King It's going to automatically qualify for this little tournament known as the World Cup. Getting the full six points in Honduras against the United States with Fonzie watching on Twitch. Larry with the layup. So he now is the all-time leading goal scorer for the Canadian men. The hometown hero with a big stop. It's astonishing what this group is doing individually, collectively. And one step closer now 
to Qatar. This is a remarkable story. They are cruising, they are rolling to, to the World Cup. The best story in world football is Canada. This is just the turning point in uh, really Canadian soccer. The team is fearless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's nobody that we fear now. Are you not entertained? <laughs> Are you not entertained? Canada's flag deserves to fly amongst the giants of CONCACAF. Akiba Hutchinson, the most unusual goal you'll ever see. There's no other footballer like him right now on the planet. You do not have midfielders running games at 38, nearly 39 years old. Perhaps the soccer gods wanted the Canadians to write a script where the ending has them qualifying for Qatar at home in front of 30,000 strong. It's a football nation, man. We better believe it. I feel amazing, man. It's the, it's the best feeling ever. <laughs> sorry for sorry. Hopefully we'll be able to inspire that next generation so that they can grow up thinking that, you know, Canada does belong in the World Cup. Yes! I'm crying. I'm crying. Canada is going to the World Cup. Kids, dream big, because anything's possible. Canada just did. I'ma I'm get mine, just a matter of time. Awesome, well done, boys. Uh, and still hard to fathom, honestly. Like, yes. coming from, and I was a ba I'm not like, Hard, I'm, I might be hardcore now, yeah. but I was bandwagon. I jumped on around like 19 years old where I was like I you. Were, I, I remember watched. watching in my bedroom in 1985 the game yeah. in Newfoundland, Steve Armitage calling it. Yeah. And when we qualified for the World Cup, and the story going into Mexico was, will we score a goal? And we hit a post or a crossbar, I remember. But right. we were both saying during that, so happy for, for Craig Forrest and guys like Craig. Yeah, and, without you know, a doubt. Dwayne DiRosario, guys who, who were there. It's, and, and I almost feel bad that they didn't get the chance to see this themselves, yeah. but it's also part of the reason why it's so sweet I now. think, but when you saw the guys down there on the sidelines, and what makes these, this team so special, to me at least, as a non-diehard soccer guy, is that they are a team. Like, it's team. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's yeah. not guys. It's not a group of guys playing for Canada. It's you team. You can't fake that either. No. You can't no. fake that, right? Kenny's like we do around. when I come yeah, every time. Yeah. Yeah. Ken Tractually Ken Tractually Obligated. <laughs> <laughs> Time for one last break. Last call. Can you stick around for one more segment? Hey, we just said why I'm here, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, checks in the mail. Uh, no, Ruben off. No, it's not. Kenny, Timmy, <laughs> nice. Jesse just told me he had breaking Will Smith news, and I yeah. said I don't give a bleep. Yeah. <laughs> He was asked to leave the Academy Awards and didn't leave. I said, I don't give a well, I'm just saying. He was going to win Best Actor and they asked him to leave? He did assault him. They asked him to leave. Get out of here. He felt he should stay. Uh, okay, so Man. last week, 
Uh, Kenny was on Wednesday, yeah. as he's contractually obligated to do. And then Thursday we had Kyle Brandt on. Right. In a riveting conversation. He's so entertaining. Uh, but Ken's name actually came up. So why don't we... Uh, right, right off the top. Back to Thursday. Sorry, here, Kyle Brandt. I, I kind of feel bad. This is another one of the man crushes of Ken Reed. I feel like a mistress right now, but a damn sexy mistress. Kyle Brandt joins us right now. How are you, Kyle? I, I was fine, but now I'm triggered that Ken has more than one man crush. I, I thought we were in an exclusive relationship. What are no, you saying? I, I, I don't know. I think I think Kenny may be man crushing around on you. You got Colby Armstrong, former NHLer, who is among the man crushes. PJ Stock. PJ Stock yeah. yesterday among one of the basically every hockey player he's got a man crush on. All right, maybe I got to grow out some new sideburns or something <laughs> to, like to, to turn Ken on again. I'll work on it. <laughs> Will yeah. that work, Kenny? Yeah. Thoughts, Kenny? Yeah. I got the Will Smith, Jada Smith thing going. We're pretty, I'm pretty open. So I'll fool around. I'll get an open relationship. I'll fool around. But yeah, I, I like, man, I, I like dudes, man. I like my buddies. This is your favorite month, August? Never mind. Yeah, Never I don't mind. even get that one. Um, so so here we go. I, I got my top five man crushes for you guys if you want to know. Well, hold, hold on. Here, hold the phone here. Yeah. Hold the phone here. We asked Kyle Brandt if he needed a Ken Reed man crush power ranking. Oh, he okay. said, yeah, I okay. need to know where I stand in okay. all this. So that's where we're at. So, so at, you know, about two hours ago, I ran into the production room and off the top of my head, I came up with my five. And just so you know, guys. This is I, your man crush power ranking? For today. So guys, if you're not in here, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's constantly in a state of Set flux. Set up a hockey card and you might get in yeah. the top five. That's what it's said. in a state of flux. Or a helmet. Mine. One of my favorite bands, Sandbox. Yeah, send me a helmet. I better be Hockey helmet. <laughs> okay, are we ready? We ready in the room? Yeah, yeah. Number ready. five. Yeah. Picture, please. Ravine. Oh, this. The man they call Ravine. Number five. If you yeah. grew up in Atlanta, Canada, you'll never forget Ravine. <laughs> and Ravine, I've never forgot you. I once saw him turn a junior C hockey player into a chicken. <laughs> it's amazing. Of course. You know did. Ravine? No, I have no idea who Good that guy. is. Number four from Danger Bay, Donnelly Road. <laughs> you know what that sweat came from on Dr. Grant Roberts' shirt? Hard-ass work. Hard work. Hard-ass work. Donnelly Rhodes, you think Will Smith's tough. Donnelly Rhodes, guaranteed, <laughs> punch a guy in the face every episode, then hug his children, and the episode would end in a free, freeze frame. So Donnelly Rhodes, the Will Smith of my generation. Right. Number three. Canadian. Colby Armstrong. Yeah, I knew that was look at there. that, Colby. Look at that. That's one of the 14 times he broke his nose that season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> the Arm Dog coming in at a solid number three. Number two, former soap star Kyle Brandt. Oh, so Kyle Brandt, high on this Ken Reed power ranking. That's gonna be happy about it. That happy photo, about Kyle, surely not airbrushed Sexy. at all. Yeah, no. Not and at all. number one, he's been number one on my man crush list since I was eight years old. Teapot, <laughs> my favorite, all-time favorite <laughs> hockey player. That's sweet tea with the beer, and that's my buddy. Dr. Scott Landry of Acadia University, mm -hmm. professor of kinesiology, and that is the teapot cup that the boys play for every Boxing Day in Pictou. So there's nice. Sweet Tea. He was my original hockey hero. He was a star for the Junior C Mariners. The dude scored at will, and it's why everybody in Pictou wears number eight, teapot. Does teapot play for the teapot cup? Or yes, he does. does. Sit around and watch. No, he plays yeah. for it and often presents presents it to himself because he always yeah, wins. T awesome. always wins. All right, so T's number one. I get that. Comment. I always wondered. I always wondered, I always wondered what teapot looked like. I don't know why I never asked, but yeah. now we know. Now you know. You strong. knew. You knew he had to be a little. Uh, Short and stuff. Bleep, bleep brick us. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of things we need to know, Tim, a lot of people want to know what happened to your hand. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you're gonna tell us? Uh, yeah, I uh, I was playing uh, men's league soccer yesterday. Oh, you got it. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I got. I got a yeah. and there's the uh, look at the. Oh, I don't know if you can see. I, I think it's called a mallet. Uh, I talked to Dr. J today, and this is a. Uh, I'm glad you had the close-up of yeah, very well yeah. done, Savvy. The splint you know that I got here. Have done. You, you know what this is, Kenny? What, a splint? Uh, no, it's not. Popsicle stick. It's actually an ice cream bar stick. Yeah, yeah, totally earlier. Tongue depression. Yeah, it was really good. It was uh, you had it? You had nuts it? and ice cream. Yeah, I ate you it. had it. And then, yeah, yeah. And then I washed well, it off. Yeah. Why didn't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I got the ice cream, then I did the splint. Sebastian, il mangeait la crème glacée, and then did <laughs> we should have done a live call-in segment with Dr. Dan for oh, medical yeah. advice. Uh, well, we should have. That's a missed opportunity. Have a couple no. drinks and take bring it out. No. We, we should have did, how did Tim get this on his finger? That would have gone too far. Uh, it, was, it was in between. It was in between. Oh, like, really? Nice little, didn't know where to put the hands. Okay. And I got caught in the middle. Did and, you have your gray uh, sweats on? Little mallet finger. No, I didn't do the Milan Borean. No. I should classic, do the Milan Borean. Classic tender injury. I could hide my belly. Netminder. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get the last call here. I know the music's been playing for a while, but let's get let's get to it. We talked earlier about Brad Marchand antagonizing John Tavares last night, but uh, not only are they rivals on the ice, Marchand and Tavares also now have competing cereal, cereal brands. Mm-hmm. Marchand recently launched March Munch Cinnamon Crunch, while Tavares has come up with Recipe 91, a granola cereal with dark chocolate, dried blueberries, and coconut. Ken, whose cereal sounds more appetizing? Oh, the Cinnamon Toast Crunch, without a doubt. But uh, if it was up to me and I had to choose between the two, I'd pick Pro Stars from Wayne Gretzky, 1982. I think it's the same company that's making both of the cereals for Marshawn. I'm pretty Tavares. sure only one company in the whole world makes every Granola's cereal. Granola's <laughs> sneaky bad for you, though. Like, a lot of people are under the impression that granola's good for you. It's loaded with sugar. Bad news for you, hippies. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just saying. Hold on a second. Certain type, like... You're just characterizing all just, granola no, no, no. as Jesse, one thing. you just let that Pretty much get... all granola oh. is bad for you. Pretty much all also like... Oh. Loaded with sugar. Pumpkin seeds and like there's... How about you can put little things in your granola to make it like healthier. When's but... the last time you went for a hike in the mountains of BC and saw a hippie ah, freak it's out a great, granola? It's a great little snack. No, no, Everyone I likes think you're granola, characterizing but... granola and that's really hard to do. There are a million different types of granola. No. No, they're all bad for you. This no. is like flush and flush and everything. <laughs> he was right on that one. Four, four he was fight. right on that one. There you go. There you go. It was. I will challenge guy. your geography knowledge, but not your granola knowledge. <laughs> so it is granola. All granola has tons of sugar. Don't take my word for it. Again, well, no, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not a nutritionist you. or You're a You're on TV. But I will say that from what I know, if you eat too much granola, it's bad for you because there's a lot of sugar. I thought you started wearing wool socks with shorts. That was the only like time. granola bars, granola in your terrible yogurt, for you. All terrible. Yeah, I bet bad. you the only granola that's no, bad for you is the stuff that tastes good. Yes. You know. Well, yeah. Uh, we all know Justin Bieber is a big Leafs fan. Sure, he enjoys granola. Uh, last night he played a concert at Bell Center and he couldn't resist throwing so some shade at the house. Did you see this, Kenny? No. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! 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 Yeah!
Very bizarre that you would try and alienate your audience like that. Uh, who's the most annoying celebrity sports fan? That's amazing. That's I love fantastic. that. He's real. It's like I alienate I, your fan base like that. It was a fun back keep and forth. Keep it real. Don't we say keep it real? Yeah. yeah that was great. That was great. That was great. I do like the title though. Who's who is the most? Is he he's <laughs> not the most annoying sorry. celebrity uh, fan. Who is? To, to some. To some, I guess, to the Habs fans, they're last. To night. a lot of yeah. people, Justin Bieber is among the more annoying celebrity fans. Uh, is Sid Sixera a celebrity? <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. Like a, like a Kenny. I would say so. Uh, okay. As far as C-list Canadian celebrities go, Sid Sixera is the most annoying sports fan. C. Last week we showed you a Nippon Ham Fighters manager Siyoshi Shinjo's entrance on opening day when he emerged <laughs> from inside a box Can with a big box written on his chest. <laughs> Or Charlie Montoya. Tuesday, Tuesday was the fighters' home opener, and this oh, time Shinjo made goodness. his entrance on a hover bike. First oh, off, so I didn't even know there was such a thing as a hover bike. I had we no gotta idea. get those. That is amazing. Right away. Right away. Well, how does that put the used in Star Wars? I yeah, wish those things with the Ewoks. Remember I, when I wish I wish Major League Baseball would have a poll and make one of their managers come in like that. I, and you could pick it who it was. I'd pick Bill Lee. <laughs> I'd look at Bill Lee. Uh, that wasn't the only great baseball entrance Tuesday at the minor league Savannah Bananas game. 75-year-old former major leaguer, as Kenny <laughs> said, Bill Lee came out of the stands, beer in hand. Lee. And proceeded to strike out a batter. Which, which one do you like? You like this one better, Kenny? Bill, Bill Lee? Lee, man. If you get a beer, it's the best entrance. The world needs more Bill Lee. He is a baseball beast. What a lovely man. More Bill Lee. Shout out Moncton Mets, Sydney Sooners. I pulled up the uh, granola oh, that I put yeah, in my yogurt. That was coming. And that was coming. Uh, a great Canadian company, too. I won't name them and give them free advertising. There's two grams of sugar in my granola, Jesse. What? Two grams of sugar in my Fact granola. Just check. be careful. Just be careful when you. you no, I agree you get with the granola. you, but it's not, not all granola. Well, if you hand make it, I mean, you're gonna be okay. <laughs> all right, you won the flesh it out. You lost this. I one. want Joe West to be lowered on <laughs> yeah, those hoverboards. You need a big hoverboard. All right, kids. Here's what's coming up tonight. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs>